review. Done. Okay. Now we've got to pass out papers. Looks like Joey's got them all ready for us here. There you go. Looks like we're going to need some more. Looks like we're going to need. Yeah, we can get some more later. Uh, your, all of your kids have one except for Jake and. <laughs> uh, Phil's got them from last time. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll get you another one here. Um, Sometime soon. Thank you, Dan. There you go. So, what you've learned is called the Erasmian pronunciation, and that is what we consider to be the, you know, we've looked at the names of uh, places, and we've looked at the, um, what they call automatopoeic words, which is a, a word that is what it sounds like, splash, bark, those types of words. They took all these and they tried to figure out how um, the old, so we don't have any tape recorders from 2,000 years ago, so they had to figure it out. And Erasmus came up with this method of pronunciation that we've learned, and it's considered the traditional, uh, or um, the way it was pronounced back 2,000 years ago. Now, the next thing that you have there is a list of um, the differences between what we learned and modern Greek. You don't have to use that at all. You'll notice they're real heavy on the E sound. They have several ways of making the E sound. Um, but if you were actually going to go to Greece or you're going to communicate in Greek and you wanted to learn modern Greek, you've got the differences with you now. I don't think you have to worry about it unless you have a specific need. Okay, But it's there for you just in case. And then... Underneath that is a little song that everybody's, I'm sure, familiar with. And we can try to, let's just say the words before we try to sing it, okay? <laughs> um, this is Jesus Loves Me, and that's basically what it says. I put a rough, I should mention that the, um, the things in the parentheses in my translation to the side, those aren't words that I'm adding, but like you have uh, agapa, Right there, agapa, and that means he loves. The he is built into it. The ending over here tells us this is a uh, he, he loves. And so when I put it he in parentheses, that's, uh, I'm not just adding it in. It's it's really there. Um, and I think I did put a something in parentheses too about um, um for, for strength or something like that. So that's just like an alternate translation. So let's just go through it. Ha. That's, that's the article. That's the. the. And then we got smooth breathing. E. A. Seuss. 
Iesus. That's Jesus' name in Greek, Iesus. Meh. It looks very much like me, and it is. That's what it means. Meh, me. Uh, it's one of the few places where they look the same. Agapa. Yes, smooth breathing, emphasis on the last syllable, agapa. The Jesus, and this is common in Greek to say the with somebody's name. We don't translate it that way in English. We don't use the word the that way in English. But in Greek, this is very common. But just basically, Jesus, me, he loves, or Jesus loves me. Got a rough breathing and an accent, hati. Grafe. Keruse. Okay. Because um, the writings, the uh, scriptures proclaim. It proclaims, okay? Jesus loves me, the scriptures, because the scriptures proclaim. Uh, Paidea. Paidea. Mm -hmm. And that's little children. So we always sing, little ones to him belong. This is... uh, this would be the little ones. This would be children. Asen. Asen. That's uh, they are. That's the to be verb. That's related to the to be verb. Auto. Auto. See that there's a little uh, um, iota subscript under the omega. Okay. That's That means this is dative. And so this is to. This is the uh, uh, indirect Indirect object. So little children, they are to him, but to him belong. That's what that part is. Ostenusi. Ostenusin. Or Ostenusi. Yeah. Uh, Dunatai. You see, um, this happens a lot in Greek. This is the word for strength, but it's negated by having a Alpha in front of it. We do the same thing in English. A theist is somebody who believes in God. But if you put an A in front of it, an atheist is someone who does not believe in God. Agnostic is someone who knows. If you put an A in front of it, it's an agnostic. It's somebody who doesn't know. So we do the same kind of negation in English. Um, We got it from the Greeks. So uh, strong? Well, not strong. Um, but he is strong. Dunatai, that's related to dunamis. That's uh, power in the sense of ability, in the, in the realm of ability. Dunatai. Nai, that's yes. Jesus, agapa. Nai, Jesus, agapa. Nai, Jesus, agapa. So, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Hey, that is the feminine version of this ha up here because Jesus is masculine, but grafe is feminine, but it's the writings or the scriptures. The scriptures proclaim, caruse, it proclaims. So, we won't have to sing it, but we did work our way through it. It gives you a chance to look at reading Greek. But now that you've been through it, that's something you can also work on on your own. Just You know the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. I'm, I'm guessing most everybody here knows that song. 
And uh, you can use this as practice. You can actually sing it. It all fits. It works. All right. But we're going to move on to sentence structure. Word order is imperative. It is the foundation in English. Not so in Greek. That's not to say that Greek order, word order is not important. Greek word order is important, but not like English. In English, how do we know what the subject is? How do we know what the direct object is? The way we do is word order. My Greek professor back in 1980 put this on the board, and I've never forgotten it. <laughs> the slithy toves did gyre and gimbal in the wabi. No, that is not Greek. <laughs> it's... Uh, I think Lewis Carroll was probably on drugs. I don't know what <laughs> where this comes from. Uh, well, I know where it comes from. It comes from the Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. The slithy toves did gyre and gimbal in the wabi. We don't want. We don't know what a toe is. We don't know what slithy is. We don't know what gyre or gimbling are. Or, you know, we don't know what a wabi is. But what do we know? We know by word order what every single one of those words is. We know that the, well, okay, the is the same. That's a given, all right? That's the definite article. So we've got definite articles right there. Slithy. Slithy is an adjective. It is modifying the noun toes. So we have, we know it's an adjective. We know this is a noun. The slithy toes did gyre and gimbal. We don't know what that is. We know that's the predicate. That's the action. Those are the verbs. They did gyre and gimbal in the wabi. That's a prepositional phrase. We don't know what a wabi is, but in all of these cases, we can know exactly what, the function of each one of those words is because of the word order in English. The doctor hit the table. Did the doctor hit the table or did the table hit the doctor? How do you know? Well, doctor comes before hit. Here's the verb. Here's the noun, uh, subject. It's a noun, subject, doctor, hit. It comes right before the verb. And then after the verb, we have the table. So we know that the doctor is the one who did the hitting and the thing that got hit was the table. Uh, because table follows the verb. In English, word order is very important to understand the use of each word in the sentence. If, let's go back and look at this again. If the table hits something, we would, which would be a good trick, I suppose. Well, I suppose it had to be sliding down something or, or something to, for the table to hit something, but it would be in front of it. And that's how we would know that the table did the hitting. The table hit the doctor. You know, somebody was pushing the table through the hallway and they hit the doctor. Yeah, something like that. Well, how do we know? We'd flip the words around. The, the word doesn't change. Doctor is going to be the same whether he's the one doing the hitting or whether he got hit. Table is the same whether it's the thing that got hit or it's doing the hitting. They look exactly the same. We don't use inflections. We don't change the word at all. But in Greek, it changes the look of the word, and that's how you know how to use a sentence. But in English, it is all about word order. Okay, what is inflection? I talked about that a little bit. Inflection is a change to the word to indicate how it is being used in a sentence. We have a little bit of this in English, but only little. In Greek, we have it, I mean, it's not even, you can't even say it's um, squared. It's, it's just <laughs> Greek. It happens all over the place, um, most all the time. Anytime you're dealing with a noun, anytime you're dealing with verbs, it's going to be like this. Prepositions, no. Uh, not prepositions. Conjunctions, no. But, but nouns and verbs are going to have some kind of inflection, which means that the word is going to change the way it looks. They're gonna, there's going to be suffixes added to the back. There's going to be prefixes added to the front. Sometimes they'll even have something they'll put in the middle before the suffix, and they call that an in, infix. Um, so 
In Greek, we get this a lot, a lot. In English, though, to look at inflection in English, how does a word change to indicate how it's being used? I gave a valentine to her. I is the subject. A valentine is the direct object. Her is the indirect object. In English, we have three cases. We have subjective, sub, subjective, we have possessive, and objective. Objective can be either direct object or indirect object. Um, so in this case, I, we wouldn't, I wouldn't say me gave a valentine to her because me is objective. I is subjective. I is always a subject. So whenever somebody says, uh, it is me, that is incorrect. It is I is correct English because that's actually using I as a um, predicate nominative. So it, it needs to be I, it is I. Because it and I are the same person. It and I. And it's the subject. So um, I is a subject. Her, I didn't say she, because she would be subjective. Her is objective. I gave a valentine to she. No, I gave a valentine to her. So the subject is I. Her is the object. Next sentence, she, okay, gave a valentine to me. Well, instead of saying I, we say me. Instead of saying her, we say she. This is one of the few, the pronouns are about the only area that I can think of who, who or whom. That would be another example. If you're using who in the, as a subject of the sentence, it's who. But if it's a, a direct object, it'll be whom. So that's another. But we just don't have very many of those things in English. But the, the pronoun, pronouns, that's one place where it actually changes form to tell us how it's used in the sentence. Okay. Yeah, okay, kind of the same thing. You would not say, me gave a valentine to she, her gave me, hate gave the valentine to I. Nobody over five years old anyway would probably say something like that. <laughs> Maybe a child would. Sometimes a word will change form when its meaning changes. Um, if the personal pronoun he, if uh, it refers to a male, and she if it refers to a female. So you can say... Um, he is subjective, but she would be subjective if it's feminine. So we have in these pronouns, we see we have not only case, is it the subject, is it possessive, or is it the direct object or an indirect object, but we also see that we have gender, okay, in English. Not very much. You mostly see it in the... Now, if you've ever studied Spanish or one of the uh, Romance languages... Lots of things have gender. If you go to uh, uh, La Casa, that's feminine, the house. But there's nothing necessarily feminine about a house. A house, we would say it, uh, that it's neuter or something. But um, we have very little in English where we actually communicate gender in the words. But there's, that's one of the things that we do is pronouns. We have he is a male, she is a female. Uh, some other words, a king and queen have a son, prince. If they have two sons, they have princes. And if they have a daughter, it's a princess. So that's another place where we indicate gender inside of a, uh, by word changes. That would be inflection. Greek is a highly inflected language. A language, it adds suffixes, prefixes, and infixes. I mentioned that a little bit ago to tell how each word is being used in a sentence. 
This is one of the main building blocks of Greek. This does not mean that Greek word order is not important. Inflection gives Greek language great flexibility. Word order that can then or can therefore be used for other functions, including nuances of meaning and emphasis. And we'll see some of that a little bit later. Nouns have case, gender, and number. Gender, masculine, feminine, neuter, he, she, it, masculine, feminine, neuter, prince, princess. We don't have a neuter for prince or princess. It. <laughs> uh, number, singular or plural. Uh, so it's prince or princes, princess, or I guess princesses would be the plural of that. Uh, so we have gender. We have number. Number is either going to be one or more than one. Usually, this is another example of inflection, is if we're going to say, if we say book, we mean one. If we say books, we mean more than one. Could be two, could be hundreds. It's just, it just plural. Uh, so we have singular and plural. Some words will actually change the way they look. You don't say mouses, we say mice. Uh, and then some words don't change at all. Deer, fish, moose. Uh, you know, the, the uh, singular and the plural look exactly the same. But we still, in nouns, have gender, number, and case. And we talked about case a little bit ago, that English has three, subjective, it's the subject, it's going to be I, he, she, possessive, my, your, his, her, where plural is there. Um, objective, direct object or indirect object, me, him, her, they would be plural. I should probably have that in there. They. So we communicate number, gender, and case in English. Noun characteristics. Case, subjective, I, singular, we, plural. My is possessive. Our is plural possessive. Objective, me, us. So there's first person, singular and plural. Third person, you is just you. Well, depends on how far south you are, you say y'all. If you get farther south, they say all y'all. <laughs> so, uh, but basically it's just you. But third person, he, she, or they, possessive, his, hers, that should say hers, its, or their, and then objective, him, her, them. Most nouns do not change forms for different cases. The book is read. It's the subject of the sentence. The book is read. And uh, the objective, he read the book. It looks the same. Book is still spelled the same way. In Greek, this will have one set of endings. This will have another ending over here. So the way it's inflected. She wears my ring. Here's another look at. Subjective is she. Possessive, my. Objective, ring. What is she wearing? A ring. What ring? My ring. So there's subjective, possessive, and objective. Declensions. Declensions are a family of endings. It is a pattern of endings. Um, for instance, well, English doesn't really have declensions. However, English does have some standard changes to words to indicate case, gender, number. We mentioned earlier that when we add an S to the end of the word, we usually make it plural. We go from book to books. Um, but there are sometimes we change things to indicate masculine, feminine, or singular or plural, as in man and men. We, 
We don't put an S on man's. Uh, we say men. We don't say woman's. We say women. Uh, I already talked about mouse and mice and goose and geese, <clears throat> moose, fish, and deer. Um, sometimes we add apostrophe S to make it possessive. So that's something that's a common change. Adding an S for plural is a common change. Apostrophe S for possessive is a common change. Um, trying to think of any other common changes. ING, that's one I don't have up here. Oftentimes you take a word like swim, but if you put an ING on it, it becomes a participle, ING. Uh, she is swimming. Who? She, uh, the, or, I'm sorry. How would I say that? There's a, I'm pointing out a particular woman, and uh, who is she? She's the one swimming. So swimming is identifying. It's kind of an adjective um, force in defining which woman we're talking about, the one swimming, the one swimming. And so that's another thing that we commonly do is add INGs. So that's how we do it in English. We do have some inflections there, but they're not uh, very strong. English doesn't have a lot of that. So next week when we get together, we're going to look at the declensions. Greek has three declensions, and we'll talk about more why, but it depends on whether it's masculine or whether it's feminine. It depends more on than anything else on how the word ends, if it ends with a, a uh, omicron or if it ends with an eta or an alpha or if it ends with a... Um, a consonant, then it, the changes that happen to it are different. However, if you have any number of hundreds of words that are ending with the Omicron, they will all follow the same pattern. That's You don't have to go through and memorize all these words. If you just remember the, the patterns, then you can, which is not what we do in this class. We just want to get used to how, how Greek works, but I'm just kind of giving you a preview of what we'll look at next week. The uh, patterns of inflection will have declensions. It's a family, and then, then all the nouns that are in that family will behave that way. And so uh, you'll see the same kind of thing over and over again. All right. Congratulations on your hard work. You're about to read verses in Greek for the first time. This is the moment that we have been working towards since the first week. And you can either follow along up here or on page 9. I gave you the first few verses of John 1. Chapter 1 in, um, in page 9. And if you wanted to make notes, you can make notes there. I used to have a bigger font, and somebody said there's not enough room to write, so I made the font a little smaller and, and gave some room to, to write. I'll say the word, and you can say it after me. We'll just, all we're going to do is read the first oh, six verses. Notice we have a smooth breathing mark. That is a uppercase. That's pretty easy to see, uppercase epsilon. So this is N. And you can say it too. N. N. Arche. Ain. Ha. Lagos. Kai. Ha. Lagos. Ain. Pros. Ton. Theon. Kai. Theos. Ain. Ha, Lagos. Hutas, Ain, N, Arche, Pros, 
Satan. Theon. Panta. De. There's an apostrophe right there. There's an alpha missing right here. But since this word starts with an alpha, it drops off over here. So that's the case where we have an apostrophe. So this is just de autu. Egenata. Kai. Choris. Autu. Egenata. Ude. Hen. See the rough breathing mark there? Hen. Ha. Geganen. En, auto, zoe, ein, kai, hey, zoe, ein, ta, fos, tone, anthropone. Yeah, note the accent mark. Kai, ta, fos, en, Te, skatia, fine, kai, he, skatia, auta, u, kateleben. There's u, we talked about u and me. This is not, you know, no or not here, u. Eginata, anthropos. Apostel minas. Para. Theu. Anima. Auto. Ioannes. Yeah, you pronounce it, you got all these vowels together, and you have to separate those as syllables. Ioannes. Okay. Now, I think you're probably familiar with it. N is in. Or K is. Uh, it's beginning, but it can also be chief or ruling or origin. But in, in this case, we know it's the beginning. Ain is uh, is the word was. Was, and this word, ain, was, means continual action in the past. It's a, We'll talk about tenses in about probably three weeks or so. So this is continual actions in the past. Ha, this is a good indicator that this is the subject of the sentence. Lagos. Okay, so we got ha, lagos, the word. So you actually could put that to the beginning for good English. Say the word was in the beginning. That would be good English. And the word was, again, continual action in the past, towards or with the God, and God was the Word. Well, that's not good English because this is not the subject. This is still the subject. But we're going to talk about this in just just a few minutes. What time is it? Okay. Uh, you know what? Maybe we'll just come back and catch some of this rest of this later. Um, we can talk about it more because we're going to be reading from this every week going forward. So let's just, for time's sake, let us, let's just go and talk about that. Now, John had at his disposal several options, more than that, at least five options for writing. We have, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, 
and the word was God. And we're just looking at that last phrase, and the word was God. Okay. What are possible ways that John could have written it, and what would be the significance? One way is kai hatheos ein halagos. We notice we have a, this is the, this is the article, and we have, uh, do I not have, I thought I had more on there. Okay. I can just leave that on. So this is a, the God and the word. Either one of these could be the subject, but in, or we could have it flipped and say, and the word was the God. Uh, this is not what John wrote. What this means is that whether you say theos, God, or logos, the word, they're completely interchangeable words. They are exactly the same thing. There's no difference between them. And that is not what John wrote. There is a, uh, a heresy. It's called Sabellianism. And this is not what John wrote. If John wanted to communicate that God and the Word are exactly the same thing, that's the, sometimes you'll hear the term Jesus-only group. Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is all there is. That's God. That's the way John would have written this if that was a true statement, but it is not. Okay? So this is like A equals B or B equals A or something like that. Uh, so both of these phrases have the same meaning and it's saying that the two terms are completely interchangeable. Okay, there's what I was looking for. There's the, uh, see when I look at it on my, my screen, it's, they're all that are on the same, <laughs> on the same screen. Okay, I forgot that I put those in there separately. So there you have the word for word underneath. So that is not what, neither one of those is what John wrote. Okay. Hmm. Let's so we're going to move those up. I don't like the way that went. Okay, I'm going to, to change these slides. So that's what we looked at a moment ago. Now another option that John had, kai halagos theos ein. Okay, so we don't have ha theos, either case like here, we just have theos. Kai halagos theos ein. And the word God was. This means that the word alone has the nature of God. Nobody else has the nature of God except for the Logos. The Logos is the only one who has the nature of God. And this also is a part of uh, Sabellianism, the Jesus-onlyism. And yes, there are still churches around. Um, I've driven by one of them in, um, in Republic. I've seen, uh, I've seen one of the churches there. I don't know where all they are, but I know that they're out there. This is not what John wrote. Okay, let's go to the next one. Yes, I'm going to change these slides. All right. So these are the three we've looked at. We have synonym or equivalent here. We have that the word alone has the nature of God. John didn't write any of these. He could have said, Kai halagos ein theos. That was a possibility, but that is not what John wrote. If John had wanted to communicate what the watchtower tells the Jehovah's Witnesses, this is what John would have had to written, that the word was a God. This would be the way that he would have written it. That is called Arianism, that Jesus is not God, but rather most of these Arianism, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses or the Way International or any other number of cults, uh, they say he was the first creation of God, but he was not. Uh, this is not what John wrote. But if John wanted to communicate that to us, he had the option available. And finally... This is what John wrote. I'll get them all up there again. 
and God was the Word, but of course, that's not good English because this is the subject, so, and the Word was God, okay? This is what John wrote. The Word has the nature or quality of God, just as the Father and the Holy Spirit have the nature of God. John wrote this phrase in such a way to indicate that God is triune. Uh, this is the only way he could have written it to indicate the Trinity, that there's a person called the Father and he's called God. There's a person called the Son and he's called God. And there's a person called the Holy Spirit. He's called God and yet there's only one God. John wrote this in such a way to embrace that understanding of who God is. Okay, so this is why it's important. You notice that um, each one of these has os and that that is uh, indicative. Okay, this is the... Uh, suffix, uh, part of the, uh, um, oh, what's the word I want? Yeah, well, it's a, this is a, it's defined in the declension, but the inflections, inflections. Uh, those, that's a part of the inflections, and I, I should have looked at some of the others, but we'll look at it in the future. So, um, okay, we don't even need this one. This has got everything on it. This is what John actually wrote, and it's to indicate that, that, Jesus has, this, is the, has the same nature and same quality as God has. With the nuances of Greek word order, John could have used any of these options. The grammatical construction used in John 1.1 is the most concise way John could have stated that the word was God and yet was distinct from the Father, distinct from the Holy Spirit, all of whom are God. Because of these inflections, they have a lot more flexibility when it comes to the Greeks, had a lot more flexibility on how to say things. All right. We're getting close to 8 o'clock. Let's do one more review. Tao? Okay, and then again, this sounds like I is in aisle A. A is in weight or eight. Oi is in foil. Oil. We we is in sweet. How is in sauerkraut? You is in feud. Who is in through? Okay. So, homework. Ensure that you're familiar with the Greek alphabet. If you want to add to your understanding of the lowercase letters, you could add the uppercase letters, but just want to make sure you're familiar with that. Make sure that you're familiar with the diphthongs, the, the, the double letters that we talked about, the Diaresis, which is the, excuse me, the two dots above some some vowels to indicate it's not a diphthong. Um, other pronunciation marks, such as accent marks, breathing marks. Uh, if you haven't done the worksheet, do it. What's this say? I is in 
aisle, right, notes, final form sigma, in, Greek, letters, and diphthongs. Okay. So, and then you can read the lesson notes. You have notes that will actually take us into next week because it goes into more detail on Greek noun declensions, the inflections. And so you can get, you can look at the pattern and see. And I think I have at least a couple of different words that are used. And you say, okay, the, the endings are the same on these. And so this is always going to be uh, this case or that case. You don't have to memorize any of that stuff, but you can read ahead on it. And we'll talk more about the nouns next week. And you can practice reading John 1. We looked at the first six verses, and you can practice reading that. We will be going through that again. So that is everything for today. Does anybody have any questions? You didn't know you were going to learn English, did you? English sentence structure. But that's, I, I learned English in Greek class. That's just, by the time I took Greek, I'd been out of school for a while, and... and uh, that's that's the way I learned English. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for coming, and we'll see you all next week.